Welcome to the S-Files, sponsored by Serve Wisconsin, Wisconsin's National Kidney Service Board. I'm your host, Kyle Flower, Communications and Government Affairs Officer for Serve Wisconsin. The S-Files is your look into the impacts and stories of AmeriCorps members and volunteers serving throughout the state of Wisconsin. Each episode, we'll be digging into their service stories, or S-Files, to learn about the people and programs whose service is meeting critical needs across Wisconsin and enriching the lives of the people and communities they serve. In this episode, we are speaking with Emily Stockinger, who is serving this year with the Department of Public Instruction AmeriCorps Farm School Program at the Arbor Vita Woodruff School. Emily, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. How are you doing today? I'm doing really well. Thank you. How are you? Doing great. It's excited to learn some more about your service today. I'm excited to share. Emily, could you start off by telling us a little bit about your AmeriCorps service this year with Farm to School? Yes. So I am serving at Arbor Woodruff School, and our school goes pre-K through eighth grade. And I currently work with our pre-K through fifth grade, and it is my second year serving with AmeriCorps. That's great. And so what does your day-to-day service then look like serving the students at the Arborvita Woodruff School? So I like to think about my service just like I like to think about the planting year that we go through because it definitely has its seasons. When the year started out so far this year, we were harvesting and really paying attention to the weather and being flexible for those good days that we could be out in the garden and harvesting everything that we planted in the spring last year. Also, I noticed last year in the winter, as we know, winters do get long in Wisconsin. That was really our time that we focused on our nutrition lessons and spending time in the classroom, cooking and learning about my plate and things like that. Springtime is really about planning for our garden and setting it up. So the day-to-day looks really different depending on the time of year. And no day is really the same. And even the lessons, depending on what grade and what class and what teacher you're working with, can really be different as well. It sounds wonderful. And that makes a ton of sense to have the year planned out in such a cycle where you are when you have the opportunity to be outside Wisconsin and do work in the garden and it's the right season, you're doing that. And then the winter, when you may lack a little bit of flexibility, can be inside doing all the nutrition lessons. Yes, absolutely. And we're pretty lucky because we have a hydroponic garden here at the school that we do plant in the winter to be able to bring some fresh vegetables into the school and see that growth cycle even in the data winter. Wonderful. So you said you were doing usually the planting in the spring, so you're doing some harvesting this fall. So what are some things you did some harvesting of this fall with the students? We were really lucky in our garden this year. We had fresh zucchini. We had butternut squash, acorn squash. We had red tomatoes. We went out with our pre-K and we read a book yesterday about pumpkins. We had pumpkins that we could harvest. 
And to see everybody's eyes when they go out there and harvest those pumpkins was so wonderful. I'm trying to think what else. We had our very tiny but mighty little carrots that we harvested. They didn't do so well, but they sure were fun to pull out of the ground. Green beans. We had a couple eggplants that we were able to harvest as well. Probably the most exciting thing was we had giant sunflowers that now were drying in classrooms to harvest the sunflower seeds. That sounds wonderful. And so that's quite a variety of things, too, to grow. How large is the garden? Our garden is about 20 feet by 10 feet, and we have all raised beds. We have gone from planting in the ground to doing raised beds, which makes it a lot easier for students for it to be at their level and to really see what's going on in the bed and to teach lessons around as well. That makes a lot of sense to really get it closer to eye level and it's more accessible for them when they're doing things. Correct. And then it's also probably then easier if you do have any students that are in a wheelchair or anything else, they'll be able to access it way easier as well. Absolutely. And less weeds. Oh, that's true. They won't be spreading out the ground. That's a brilliant idea. Yes. And so what happens with the produce once you all harvest it? So a couple of things that we did, sometimes we do serve it in our cafeteria. If we have the salad bar up and going, we will put it through. Today, we had some cherry tomatoes that we harvested go out on the salad bar. Sometimes we sent home produce. This year, we sent home produce with our kindergartners so that they could bring home what they harvested. So they make that um, home connection with things that they did at school. And sometimes we cook it for our nutritional lessons. So right now on the table behind me, I have all my squash that we can do a comparison of different types of squash recipes and cut open the produce in class and see what it looks like. So when we're talking about the parts of a plant, we can look at what a squash looks like and they can make that connection between, hey, when we went out in the garden, we harvested these and now we're cooking them and we're, we're tasting them cooked many different ways. That's really cool. And I love to be able to see it in person and but tangibly as you're going over those parts versus the pictures can be great, but have that in-person experience with it. Yes. And it, it's different, too, than when you just bought it at a grocery store, right? Yeah. And how many different types of squash are back there? So we only have two different types. We have the butternut and the acorn. And we have the pumpkin. But the pumpkin we are going to carve. And then we're going to seed save and, and replant for next year. So we're not going to consume that pumpkin. That makes sense, especially with the season going on and when it's being harvested. Absolutely. And then you mentioned having the hydroponic garden as well. So what do you all grow with that? The majority of the time we're growing different lettuce varieties with it. And I have worked with fifth graders and kindergartners with the hydroponic garden. And I find that it's really flexible for a variety of grade levels to work with it. The fifth graders get to work with it the most because they learn a lot about the different ways to grow things. 
and more geared towards, you know, the definition of food miles and some of the issues that are going on with food as far as getting local food, things like that in this area. But for the most part, we grow lettuce varieties in there, and then we also grow herbs in there. And it is really special to see kids, they just light up about growing lettuce in there. It is so easy to do. It's such a bright light in the winter up here. And to have it in a classroom, kids will come in and and just want to see what it looks like growing. And the change you can that you see if you're gone for a four-day weekend and the kids come back in the classroom, they can definitely see that growth change. That's wonderful. And then I'm assuming does the lettuce then end up in the salad bar as well? Yes. We either put it in the salad bar or we did a salad dressing tasting in a nutritional lesson last year as well. Nice. And then you mentioned the idea about growing local foods about the issue of also like look at the food miles we're talking about with food as well one food if people live here in wisconsin i'll know the one food's growing everywhere are apples and apples are the kind of big thing right now so i know that you did the great lakes great apple crunch yesterday so do you want to share about that yes yes we did so we actually are really lucky we got local apples from our county and there's not too many Vilas County Apple Orchard, but we were able to procure apples from the new orchard in Phelps. And we crunched at all three lunch periods. And then we were also able to crunch with our pre-cares during their snack time. So what we ended up doing is we did have them out on our hotline. And then any cold lunchers that came into the cafeteria also got an apple as well. And then we did a three, two, one countdown and everybody crunched together. And it's amazing talking to kids about the different types of apples that we had and a couple kids that took two or three apples with them for the afternoon because they were so delicious. So it's a really, really great reason to get together and procure something local that's really accessible as well. That's wonderful. And I know this is something that students do throughout the state and throughout the region yes and it's always stay on the same day across the country so it's really cool looking and seeing the pictures of everyone as they do their crunches throughout the state yes we even packed apples for our fifth graders who went to the porcupine mountains on a field trip and they crunched on their field trip that's wonderful and then i know that the apple crunch is always in October activity, and as a whole, October is Farm to School Month. Is there anything else you're doing to help celebrate National Farm to School Month? You know, the Great Apple Crunch was our big Farm to School celebration event for Farm to School Month, although we definitely put it out there in our Farm to School monthly newsletter that it was Farm to School Month and highlighted the orchard and other local items that we have available at the school to make sure that people knew about some of those resources available for that. And then you talked about doing a newsletter. Who's the newsletter go to and what's the purpose of putting it out there? So the newsletter goes out via our Facebook page. So it's an e-newsletter and it is really geared towards our parents 
of our students so that they're aware of what we're talking about in school. So they know about the events that their students will be attending, like the Great Apple Crunch. So they'll be able to make that connection when their students come home and say, hey, we crunched apples in the cafeteria today. They'll be able to know what that means and and what it's about, where these apples came from. And also the great thing about doing an e-newsletter is getting that ability to put in links so that they're able to get those resources too. So that's very helpful as well. That's great. And that's a great way to keep all of your parents informed about what's going on. Because sometimes kids will sometimes forget exactly what happened. So your parents can ask about it and like, oh, like, oh yeah, that happened. Today. And then they'll key in and go on about it. Yes. And also one thing that I always love to put in there is some of the recipes that I do in school. And that was something that I received some feedback on is that students would talk about all the recipes and the things we made and parents wanted those recipes. So it's a great avenue to really build that connection at home as well. That's wonderful. And it's a great way to help encourage kids and families to use of those healthy recipes and different nutritional things that you're learning about in the classroom and bring to the home. Absolutely. And then looking at the nutritional education aspect of your service, could you share a little bit about the different activities you did with your students over the last year? Yes. So I worked with several different grade levels last year and really focused on working on my plate or teaching my plate and building that connection, understanding what it is and what those different food groups do for you and your body. I also focused a lot on cultural aspects of food and your heritage and being respectful of other people's heritage as well. Parts of a plant is really important too. And then one thing that's really important that we conveyed is eating the rainbow of foods. So eating a different variety of foods and not just having a brown plate of food every night and really geared those lessons towards different grade levels and making it different and unique so that it works with each grade level. And there's a lot of resources available to us to be able to teach those lessons. That was something that I know that I was really nervous about not having a background in education, but I felt really confident with the resources that I had and really supported at my school with getting feedback from the teachers or when I would ask for help about what the best way to do something or if I did come up with a crazy idea for a lesson and be like, hey, is this too much for your students where they're at? So that I knew that what I would go into a classroom with was an achievable lesson and worthwhile. And this year coming back as a second year, it's amazing how many teachers have approached me about things they're already working on in their classrooms that they feel they could incorporate my lessons into. So it's it's even more smooth and congruent with what they're teaching. That's wonderful that they've been able to really help figure out ways to just integrate it straight into all the other activities that they're doing and to help the students realize that it's not just one thing, it's part of a bigger ecosystem and just a bigger life of all these interconnected pieces. Absolutely. And then I know you mentioned 
anxiety about trying to eat the rainbow and encouraging kids on those healthy eating habits. Have you done some tastings with the kids either this year other than the apples or last year? Yes. So I was pretty ambitious last year and I did cafeteria-wide local food tastings. I did several of them. And some of them, you know, definitely I got a lot of thumbs down on. I did some local butternut squash soup last year. It's amazing to me. Some kids come up to me this year and say they loved it. What are you making that squash, Miss Emily? But some of them, that was not the best one. But I did maple butter that we sampled. And I always put together recipes and some educational information for people to take home. But I do a lot of uh, local food tastings. I I try and feature the farmer of where we get the product from. Next week, I'm doing uh, kale, which was grown in Wisconsin. We're going to make kale chips, talk about eating our greens first. So that'll be a new one for this year as well. But yes, definitely last year, I probably did six or seven cafeteria-wide K through eight food tastings. That's wonderful. And then was there a favorite? for all the kids or one that kids really turned them on to they weren't expecting? Well, I would say the one I was most surprised about is I did a raw cranberry relish and kids loved it. I was really surprised. I, I got the most requests for recipes from that one and students coming back up asking for seconds. That's really intriguing. That sounds really good too. It does. <laughs> I'll have to get the recipe for that to try that. And then you had mentioned trying to highlight or spotlight the farmers where you were getting some of the different local produce from. Is there anything else you'd be able to do to help do some connections between local farmers and the school and the students? We have not been super successful at getting farmers to come to AVW, but that's definitely something that is a goal of mine this year is to get farmers to come to the school. We did take a trip to a cranberry bog this year, which was super fun and different as well. But we have not had any farmers come. We usually get them to get the product in and we highlight what what they do and make sure that people know this is where it is. This is where it is on the map. This is how many miles it is from the school, you know, and if you're able to go and visit it on your own. That's great. And it's just wonderful to be able to try to make as many connections as you can between the farmers and the schools. And then I love the idea of going out to the bog, especially to be able to see cranberries being grown live. That's a very different growing experience than how a lot of other crops are raised. It was. It was. It, they only have a 10-day harvest for their entire year. Yeah. We were able to see that process, so it was super fun. And watching a bunch of kindergartners eat raw cranberries, really fun, too. That's wonderful. Were there some reactions to not knowing exactly how it would taste when it was raw versus what they may have had before in a juice form or something else? Absolutely. Lots of sour faces. Lots of cranberries that went into pockets for later. (laughs) That's wonderful. And then, Emily, why did you first decide to serve as an AmeriCorps member with 
farm to school last year? And then what led you to serving again this year? Yeah, so I had a career in human resources for a lot of years. And prior to that, I was a pastry chef. And I just felt really burned out and really disassociated from what was going on in the world in that career. And my kids go to this school and I saw the posting for the for the position to serve with AmeriCorps. And I am very much an advocate of real food. And I just wanted to reconnect to something that I was passionate about on a different level that my career was no longer giving me. And so I decided to join last year and it was it definitely filled up my my I don't know what you want to say, like your your passion bucket for sure. And so much so that I for sure wanted to join and do and serve another year. I just didn't feel like I felt like I got a lot done and accomplished, but the rate at what I'm able to get accomplished this year as a returning member is leaps and bounds compared to what I did last year. So that's, it's feeling really good so far. That's wonderful. And I'm so glad to be able to find that connection to kind of reinstore that passion and the desire that you're out there, you're making a difference, you're helping people. It's about something you truly care about. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you for serving last year and then come back again this year. Absolutely. And then looking back at the last year and a quarter, I guess, what have been some of your favorite memories or some stories you could highlight for us for about your service? So for me, in comparing what I what sort of passion I took from my professional career into the situations that I've been in here at school. I definitely have a newfound respect for people that work in a school, and I really enjoy being part of the community of a school with the teachers and the paraprofessionals and the food service staff, but it's the things that kids say to you that just really make you feel good about what you do. When you see a child, I had one one kiddo tell me when he was harvesting lettuce, he's like, who knew I would love harvesting lettuce? I mean, you just think, am I making that big of an impact where, you know, this is somebody who's going to change their career or hold on to this memory like I did to memories I had in school that impacted what I do or how I operate in my life? I mean, you feel that way when you hear things like that. Or I had another situation where, as an AmeriCorps member, you have to document a lot of your work, right? And we document through pictures. And I was taking pictures of kids, and I had one kid want me to take a picture of his rainbow of food. And the teacher told me afterwards that he doesn't usually talk, doesn't want his picture taken. And you can see him holding up his rainbow, and he's smiling, and he's engaging with me. And to get that feedback, you know, a teacher to say like, wow, you made a connection that not many people do. Those are just big memories for me and make me really proud of what I've done. 
That's wonderful. Those moments you have with the student in the classroom when they open up or they like reveal something can be so powerful. Yes. It's just such a great thing. I'm glad you got to experience that and hopefully get lots more of those memories over the rest of the term. Yes, absolutely. And then speaking of that, are there some things you're looking forward to or that you have planned for the rest of your service this year? Well, last year I made a list like of certain dates or or things that like, oh, I wish I would have known that, you know, this was going on because I could have done something like just as an example, they have a math day and I'm like, oh, I could have made pies, you know, just something, something kind of goofy just to feel like a part of the celebration. So <laughs> I'm making pies for math day. Nice. <laughs> I'm guessing March 14th. Yes. <laughs> you are correct. <laughs> As a former teacher, they would have, we would also celebrate the school pie day. So every 314, you get used to the idea that, like, oh, there's a week pie. It's going to be great. <laughs> so you know. <laughs> and then I know that you have talked about you're able to grow with a lot of different pieces over the year. Now that you have the year under your belt, you'll have the chance to expand different things. So are there any new lessons you're planning on teaching with the kids or anything you want to expand off of the nutrition aspect? I definitely feel more confident about my nutrition lessons. And because I do have the, some of the same students that I did previous lessons with, I do have the opportunity to expand my lesson repertoire with them. So I am looking forward to that just to build up on that their experience so they're not just getting a, a repeat of what they got last year and and to keep building that because they talk about it like oh we did the popcorn tasting last year you know so they they can do something else so that's a big challenge but i'm up for it that sounds great and good luck with all of those throughout the rest of the year yes thank you and then I know this is really early in this current term, but do you have any plans for after your AmeriCorps service is completed? Well, I do think about that because time does fly. And I would consider serving either another term or I also think, too, of any opportunities that would come my way based on on the service that I serve, whether it's, you know, becoming an educator, or getting a job here at the school. That's wonderful. And I'm glad that this service giving you kind of the opportunity to explore kind of that field of just giving you the opportunity to figure out what would be the next great step in finding ways to continue doing things you love. Yes, it's definitely made that level of impact on me. Well. Emily, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today and sharing about your AmeriCorps service with Farm to School this year. Thank you. I appreciate you taking the time to talk with me as well. So happy to learn more about your service. And just want to say thank you for your service and look forward to all the great things you're going to do over the rest of the year. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. You too. And thank you again to Emily for sharing about her AmeriCorps service with Farm to School and giving us another story we can file under service. Thank you for tuning in to the S-Files podcast produced by Serve Wisconsin. I'm your host, Kyle Clower. And as always, a big thank you to everyone that serves here in Wisconsin. 
Remember, the S and S file stands for service, and you are the reason we have so many great stories to highlight. Tune in next time for another page pulled from the S-Files.